never look at birds the same way again. Humans, 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 what is up? Welcome back to the Sydney Hollis Show. Welcome, welcome, come on in. Uh, big, big program for you today. Big program for you today. We have an interview. We have an interview with a submariner, with someone who's been into the depths of the ocean, with someone who's lived on a submarine. And we will get to that soon enough. Of course, you know, it's the, it, it's, it was, and around here it still is, the topic du jour. You know, we were interested in the RMS Titanic before the tragic loss of the Titan submersible. Uh, we were already interested in it, but I was just, you know, sitting around the other day and I was like, you know what? I know, I know a close personal friend, even a family member, but friend, friend first, then family member. Uh, my own brother-in-law, Michael Buckley, he will be on the show. We're going to talk about submarine living and, and the submersible and stay tuned humans. So there've already been some crackling of firecrackers and fireworks outside uh, tonight. I'm recording this on June 29th. It's a Thursday night. Of course, the earliest you can hear this will be Friday, June 30th. And, you know, the 4th of July, our nation's birthday, our Independence Day, is right around the corner. So, wow, the fireworks have started early. It's not even Friday night. It's Thursday night. I just heard the first crackles and pops, but no snaps. So in addition to some chatting about a submarine, uh, humans, we have a contest coming up. We have a contest coming up. You know these contests are important to us. It's not only a contest, but it's a mixer. It's a mixer. You have this long weekend, and yes, I'm calling it a long weekend. You know, I, I am fortunate enough to have taken Monday off. So I've got, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday, our nation's birthday off. So most of us or many of us have a long weekend. Anyway, where am I going with that? Where I'm going with that is we have a costume contest coming up, an audio costume contest. And submissions are due by lunchtime on Wednesday, July 5th, which means humans... You have, like, from now until then, and many of us, again, that are lucky, many of us that are lucky, are going to have those days off. You've got time to think about this. You've got time to think about a summer movie and an eccentric or an eclectic or even a main character that you would be. And, of course, what's the context of this? Well, the place where we all gather in our minds, the hideaway, the place where we break bread, the place where we are imaginarily... Right now is the hideaway. And at Hideaway Bluffs, at Hideaway Bluffs Beach Club, there is a mixer. There is a mixer. And if you're listening to the show, you're invited. And it's it's a costume party. It's a come as a summer movie character costume party. And of course it's a mixer. It's a chance to mingle with the other members. Of the Hideaway, of Hideaway Bluffs Beach Club, of the community. It's a chance to mingle. 
Now you can be a wallflower. You can just come to lurk, <clears throat> excuse me, to listen, or you could mingle, or you could participate. Again, submissions for the audio hallo Halloween, the audio costume contest, the summer movie audio costume contest. They're due Wednesday, July 5th at lunchtime. Lunchtime, East Coast time. Don't come in here giving me some 4 p.m. Well, it's 1 p.m. on the West Coast, so it's still lunchtime, bro. I mean, if you want to risk it, maybe you'll get it in, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. East Coast lunchtime, July 5th. We'll talk about that again, humans, because it's important. And, you know, if I've learned anything, repetition is the name of the game. But before we <laughs> touch base on this again, I do have a couple things I want to rant and rave about. And last weekend, humans, I, I was minding my own business. I was doing my own thing. And I saw a dog owner, a large dog owner, <laughs> walking with one of those, uh, those long sticks. I was in a park. I was in a park doing my own thing, listening to some tunes, doing some deep thinking. But it was a dog owner walking around with one of those long, like, sticks that kind of help you throw the ball. I guess that's the purpose of them. That's why I'm actually talking about this. One of those long sticks where you kind of can throw the ball a little further or a little more <laughs> at a higher angle. I don't know. But one of those long sticks. And also, I think the purpose is so you don't have to actually bend over. God forbid you get any exercise, you know, so you don't have to bend over you can like reach this thing down and then grab a tennis ball it's like a big wand and then you can throw it again to your dog and i mean i'm just a, i'm just as much of a consumerist as the next guy i own some stuff that i have just for the sake of being stuff and I make my trips to the beach more complicated than they need be sometimes, but I like to have my comforts. You know, I like to basically have a living room at the beach. And similarly, when I camp, I want to be outside, but I want all the comforts. So I, I'm just as much of a consumer as the next guy. But I just think to myself, man, you know, however many years ago, someone just would have walked to the park with a tennis ball and their dog. Now they got this long ass stick. <laughs> and is it, I mean, I guess like a catapult or like any kind of a lever. I suppose you can throw a ball further with something like that. I mean, it would make sense. I don't exactly know how you get it to release. I've never seen one properly used. I can tell you that much. But I just wonder, what's the purpose of this thing? Is, is it to throw the ball farther if you're not good at throwing? I mean, launching a tennis ball, it's kind of empty. It's kind of, it's you know, it'd be easier to throw a baseball, I guess. There's a little weight there. Um, maybe it's to save your elbows. So maybe there are a lot of elbow injuries in the dog fetch uh, world. Yeah, maybe a, yeah, how do I know? Maybe, maybe some sports medicine doctor got rich off of this thing because he was like, do you know how much... Tennis elbow, the average golden retriever has. The average golden retriever owner has. But I just don't know what these things are. 
I don't. Do you own a ball stick, humans? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. Listener line at sydneyhollishow.com is the email address that you can use to submit your audio costume to the show with. Of course, you record into the voice memo recorder on your phone with the voice memo app, and then you hit the share button, and then you email. You email that memo you've just recorded to listenerline at sydneyhollishow.com. How easy. And of course, I famously dislike dogs. And, you know, I, I will I will give another shout out to Brendan. Brendan and Savannah. Big time contributor to the show. And it was probably a year ago at this point, maybe more. He was like, Sid, sick of hearing you bash dogs. You say you're a cat guy. And I just think that you haven't given dogs a chance. And maybe you would like a small dog. It's the size. They're the size of cats. You can, like, take them places the way you can't take a cat places. And you know what? He's... He honestly got me intrigued. I'll say that much. He got me intrigued, but I, my mind hasn't been changed. But I am intrigued, and I am, and I am up into new things. But one of the I, one of the things he pointed out, because I was very angry that a dog off leash like sniffed me while I was recording, right about a year and a half ago or a year ago, I was like recording in a park, just sitting cross legged, and some dog behind me just came up and like licked me, and I was like, ugh, that damn thing's supposed to be on a leash. And Brendan pointed out that a yeah, little dog, you know, they don't really need to be on a leash. Like you can catch the damn thing before it gets to anybody if you if you're concerned enough. <sighs> I guess, I guess you make a good point, Brendan. But speaking of unleashed, this same guy with this tennis ball thrower, he had his dog off leash. And we're in a park, and it's on a weekend, so there's a lot of patrons. And it's so great. I mean, for me, you know, watching from afar, the dog got loose. Well, it was already loose. It was loose by design, right? He he set it loose. Um, The dog got loose, or got away, and it went and, like, totally disrupted a volleyball match. And it was just a group of co-eds playing volleyball, um, mixture of girls and guys, and they were actually pretty good. And I was enjoying watching them play while I was doing my deep thinking. And this dog started running amok. And it was like trying to get the volleyball. And then like the owner was like trying to do that thing where you sort of try to look cool. Like, like uh, I don't want to look spazzed out trying to grab my dog. I want to look like I'm in control here, but everyone around him knows you're not in control here. Your dog's doing whatever it wants to do right now, bouncing around, jumping on people, trying to get this volleyball, trying to get petted, trying to trying, trying to not get caught. And the owner's trying to put in effort, but then trying to look like they're in control, just like, hey, you know, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> and then he put in a little more effort and he couldn't catch it. He couldn't catch the dog, but the dog wouldn't leave the volleyball court. And, of course, the people laughing at it were, like, not helping because then the dog was enjoying it even more. And the guy <laughs> caught it, like, a couple times, but he couldn't, he couldn't wrangle it. 
he would grab its like harness thing and it would shake free. It was a bigger dog. I can't remember the breed. I probably blocked it out of my mind. And it would shake free. <laughs> I was just chuckling, chuckling. Listening to like, uh, who knows what I was listening to at the time. Probably, uh, probably some Billy Joel. And <laughs> finally, like a, a volleyball player tried to catch the dog and that didn't work. But between the two of them trying to catch the dog, they finally caught the dog. And then the guy got it on the leash and then tried to like walk away again, looking like, ah, that was fine. It's like, that wasn't fine, dude. That was the opposite of fine. And you didn't, you didn't pull off looking cool. But again, you know what? I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. The people on the volleyball court were mostly chuckling. So maybe it wasn't that big of a deal, but, you know, we have leash loss. Now, humans, we are going to get to my interview <clears throat> where we talk some submersible, some submersible stuff. But before we do, let's talk about what it means to email the listener line. Shall we? You know, if I had a nickel, and, and I'm, in, I'm a part of this group, okay? If I had a nickel for every time someone said, God, I would have a po- I would have a podcast if I just had the time. It doesn't have to just be a podcast. I would do comedy if I just had the time. I would have a TV show. I would have a YouTube channel. Or I would, maybe I have a YouTube channel that's lame, but... I would, I would perform. I'm funny. People tell me I'm funny or I'm interesting. I, I have the urge. I just don't have the time. I don't have the stuff. I need the stuff. If I had the stuff and if I had the time, I would, I would do stuff. I would, I'm funny. People think I'm interesting. Here at this show, you have the time. You have the stuff. I sit down and I record once a week. And if during the week I receive information from you, I put it out there. So I'm the one with the time draw. The time suck. I'm also the person with the stuff. I've got the stuff. You know, you've got the vehicle wouldn't I would love it if I knew of a podcast out there where I could just talk, talk, you know, well, I think of something, you know, I have about three or four funny ideas a week, humans. I could whittle that down to one and that's send it in. Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. God, if only I had the time, if only I had the stuff. I would do stuff. I would be creative. I would be creative if only I had the time and if only I had the stuff that you needed to do to do it. Oh, you mean like a, a way to be heard. This is, it's not an open mic by any means because we're much smarter than those people. But, uh, hello. This is your like, I don't have the time. You have the time. You have the five minutes to make a two-minute call to the listener line or a 90-second call to the listener line. And as far as the stuff, a stage or cameras or audio equipment or whatever the medium is that we're talking about for stuff, 
mean all I've got to do is email in an audio clip and then I'm done with my work and then it ends up on the internet it ends up on iTunes or you know Apple Podcasts it ends up on Spotify it ends up on Google Podcasts and all I've had to do is just record something you know humans I don't have a co-host on the show but I do have a co-host on the show. The co-host is you. The co-host is you. If I had a nickel, if I had a nickel for every person to told me they would do creative stuff if they just had the time or the stuff. Anyway, think about that this weekend leading up to lunchtime on July 5th. And another thing, humans, since you are my co-hosts, we don't talk about music too often. I mean, Bernsey talked about Billy Joel. But I bet there's like a million of those stories. I bet there's a million of those stories. Now, if, if everyone starts, you know, participating all the time, well, then there will be start to be a bar for what's going to make it on the air or not. But for right now, there's probably a million interesting stories, like Bernsey saying that he couldn't go to a party in college in upstate New York without ending up arm-in-arm arm with strangers singing Piano Man. Think about it. Think about it. You know, if you're just a little bit buzzed when you make the call, I promise you no one will know. I promise. So, humans, let's get to my interview uh just recorded moments before i started recording this portion of the show so it's fresh i've not even listened to it back besides actually doing it here we go take it away michael and sid humans 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 here he is he's a friend a family member he is my brother-in-law he is michael buckley he's a, a skier a cyclist, a triathlete, an Ironman. He's an Ironman. And among other things, he's also a submariner or or as a former submariner. Welcome to the podcast, Michael Buckley. Thanks, Sid. Thank you. Hey, humans. Uh, <laughs> first time caller. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. Dude, excited to have you on the show. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. There's a myriad of topics we could obviously talk about here, but, um, you know, of course, recent tragedy, the, uh, submersible, the, the Titan went awful, awful. went down to see the, uh, remains of the RMS Titanic. And of course, as we now know, it imploded. And, uh, so, you know, again, we're going to talk about a little bit of everything in the submarine, I hope. But, uh, you know, they just, I was, you know, in a park the other day doing some deep thinking and I was like, God, I've got to get Michael on the cast. Cause one, I'm just curious. And I was like, the humans, the humans deserve to know this information, you know? Sure. So, I mean, so when you were now you were, uh, in the Navy, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. When you were, uh, stationed on a submarine, like how, how long, like what length of time were you on the sub when you were like out of out at sea and whatnot? Yeah, so I was on uh, what we call a boomer. It's a it's a Trident two submarine, 
Um, and it's, you know, really big. It's designed for just a strategic deterrence, meaning, you know, basically this submarine was designed to fight the Cold War. Right? Okay. So a little bit more strategic and, you know, big players, Russia, China, back then, um, you know. And basically, we go out and cover our target package um, and just to be out to sea. So um, a typical deployment would be, you know, 90 days, and we would just kind of be underwater most of the time, you know, 95% of the time. Um, wow. And a wow. lot of these... A lot of these figures I'll be giving you, some will be pretty vague. This is the unclassified version. Um, so keep that in mind. Oh, wow. Kind of you to yeah. say. Wow. Yeah. Really... <laughs> and, you know, classif- classified. <laughs> classified documents are so much in the news these days. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you were out at sea for, like, like you said, 90 days, and you... You've t- you know, you told me this before, of course, but like you guys would just sometimes surface in the middle of the ocean, uh, like for, for what, for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, uh, and main reason would be, you know, morale booster, uh, a swim call. Um, you know, we would go out there and all get sunburned and spend the day, you know, jumping off the submarine, uh, not alert of course, but, um, but yeah, just goofing <laughs> off, um, <laughs> that dumb and happy out there <laughs> and so you're literally literally in the middle of the ocean like you can't see anything in, e- in any direction right yeah just horizon you know 360 oh my god and again you've told me this before but for the humans you said your like eyes would hurt because you were in underwater and indoors for so long your your, your pupils weren't used to sunlight yeah anytime we would like surface you know coming back to sea from the long deployment um, couple things. Depth perception was, you know, you're not used to looking as far. Um, so like driving is really weird and, uh, and the daylight's really weird. Um, you know, uh, the oxygen level, um, you know, we breathe, uh, we make our own air on the submarine, um, you know, through, uh, electrolysis and, uh, basically, you know, separate, uh, a water molecule, H2O, and then the oxygen side, and then mix it into our air Whoa. that we breathe. Um, and uh, and so, you know, here at sea level, we're breathing, you know, right around 20% oxygen, you know, plus or minus. Okay. Um, on the submarine, they actually lower the oxygen level, um, you know, to kind of two reasons. One, as a fire retardant. Um, you know, it's hard to start fires with, you know, no oxygen. Whoa. So that's one of the reasons. And the other reason, um, you know, you're on this weird schedule. Um, you're on like a 18 hour day rather than a 24 hour day where, you know, you have kind of three, six hour shifts. So you're waking up every 18 hours. If that's clear as mud. Um, Whoa, wait, so you guys actually live an 18-hour day. You you, you yeah. abandon the 24-hour day because the sun's not rising or setting anyway. Yeah, and then the amount of, like, manpower it takes to, you know, run a submarine, it just works better doing, like, three watch stations, if that makes sense. So, like, how it works is you have six hours of your free time, which would be, you know, kind of when you sleep. Uh, the next six hours is your watch. 
And then the next six hours is like your collateral duties or like your maintenance that you're doing or whatever job that you have. Whoa. So yeah, you'd work essentially, you know, 12 hours and then have like that six hours of, you know, you time. But you should be sleeping during your you time. Yeah. (laughs) Which usually, you know, a good sleep is probably four to six hours, you know, give or take. Because you, if you want to like stay awake and like write letters home, like that's in your sleep time. Oh yeah, you gotta do that on your time. <laughs> <laughs> so you have six hours of your watch, like being like on the ready for battle, and then six hours of like doing like work. Yeah, maintenance. I mean, it could be you know a field day. It could be running drills. Um, you know, and then they will run drills sometimes during your, your six hours of free time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I want to get to, I do want to get to the drills and, and some of that stuff, but I think we should we should get to the deep water stuff here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, this is, I, I think I'm about to exhaust the things that I already know here pretty, pretty soon. Uh, but just yeah. so the humans know, I have heard this before, but... I want you to tell it uh, for the human sake. You said you guys would sometimes like tie a rope, a, a, like end to end um, the width, the width of the submarine. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, we would go bulkhead to bulkhead, and I would say um, the width of this room. I would say like thirty feet, maybe. maybe narrower than that let's say let's say it's 25 feet okay okay uh and we tie a string maybe eye level um and then during some of these drills you know we would test you know all of our parameters and like what we can do performance-based kind of stuff for the submarine um you know they'll call it angles and dangles um is a drill and that's basically where you see the boat like emergency blow coming out um you know the water kind of torpedoing that's part of it which our submarine wasn't as drastic as the fast attacks the ones that come way out of the water and kind of just like like flop up (laughs) um but yeah so you know we get it do these drills and then you know when we're going close to test depth um that string we would, it would have so much pressure on the hull um and it was designed to do so okay. um would flex it would compress uh where that string would be like on the ground that's so, like that's <laughs> and you know the the metal that surrounds um the boat is you know inches thick and it's steel it's a it's a special steel that can flex and, and move and, and that kind of thing. So you would tie a string across a 25-foot room, and it would be sitting at eye level, and when you guys would do a seriously deep dive, it would, it would the, the, the sides of the thing the submarine would compress so much that this string would end up being on the floor. Right. Incredible. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the, the submarine at test depth is, it can go excess of 600 feet right okay that's like a fraction of what these guys were doing (sighs) like when i heard so to backtrack a little bit yeah i was at work um and your your dad your parents were out visiting um and they're like michael you hear about the sun that went missing and i was like 
a U.S. sub? And they're like, well, it's a private sub. <laughs> and I was like, well, what were they doing? They were sightseeing for the Titanic. And I was like, I was like, that's really deep. I was like, you know, how deep? And they're like, it's like 13,000 feet. And I was like, they're what? I was like, there's people inside? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, I think your mom said, and there was a window. And I was just thinking like, oh my gosh. And then um, I was like, they are not going to make it. <laughs> And that was like, you know, when it just like, you know, kind of hit the news. Yeah, yeah. Where it was just sort of missing. Yeah. Like you were just like, they've lost, because for what, the first day or two we all, or three days, we just were like, oh, they just haven't talked back in a while. Right. Wow. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's around 12,500, you know, like you said, 13,000 feet deep, which is, you know, two and a half miles, you know, give or take, of course, give or take. Yeah. I mean, and then this thing is made par- partially of carbon fiber. Right. <laughs> and it you're has, saying... It has a window. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear about, like, all the, like, the controller stuff until, like, maybe a day or two later. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard to fathom. So the sheer fact that it had a window was just was already troubling to you. Right. <laughs> like, the U.S. military submarines go, like I said... I mean, a very small fraction of what this thing goes. And, you know, and there's no sight glasses, no windows. Everything's like, you know, watertight. And, the, and, you know, the flooding and the stuff, like the small little floods that we simulate and the ones that, like, you know, happen when we're, like, trying these new drills and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, we have procedures set in place and, like, it's wild the deeper you go, like how much more pressure you get. Whoa. You know, like, so, and they were saying, you know, 5,000 PSI. So that's 5,000 pounds per square inch. Pressing like, in. <laughs> wow. It was unreal. I, I couldn't believe it. So you're telling us about these, like, drills, but does that mean, like, you guys were, like, kind of uh, trying to simulate, like, squirming around, like, trying to get away from someone chasing you or trying to chase somebody kind of a thing? Um, for angles and dangles, that's part of it. Um, but, like, just rigging for seek. So, like, you know, your very first day on the first deployment, you go out and even the day before, you, you simulate everything. Um I remember my first, um, I forget what they call it, but it's to simulate a deployment and all the new guys, they don't tell, um, you know, that you're not actually going out to sea. So like you rig the boat for sea and, you know, you act like the whole day is at sea and everybody like, you know, puts on or whatever. Whoa. Um, and then like, I remember like looking at, you know, my leading petty officer at the time. Man, this thing's smooth. <laughs> this has no filtering whatsoever. And then, like, and then they surface at the end of the day, and they're like, "All right, you guys go home. You know, we're we're back in port." <laughs> and we were moored the whole time. Wow, and you thought you'd been diving and all this stuff, <laughs> right? But I think uh, it's the first time we've used the word "moored" on this podcast. I'm glad I could be your first. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and so then, like, um, as far as, like, you know, I guess, like, you know, military and national security and stuff, I mean, were there were there times where things were kind of, like, feeling 
more or less uh, chill and then times where you were sort of like close to something that you needed to be like stealth and secret were there were there differences like that on your on your deployments so yeah so basically when we would go those target packages uh, target packages that i was talking about so there's one on each coast always being covered at all times right so they have multiple boats on each coast so when you were alert you were really quiet. Everything was rigged for red, uh, at least in the control room where they're going to periscope depth every once in a while. Um, so, and does that mean uh, you're going higher or lower if you're going to periscope depth? Higher. Okay. So they put the periscope out just to kind of scope out, and that's how we download like the broadcast. Which and... like so basically how the U.S. communicates to the, through uh, the submarine is they use like a really low frequency um, like radio waves. Okay. Um, and, and they come through as like a trigraph. So like, you know, part of my job, um, I was a nuclear missile technician. So like the missiles and like the target package and stuff, I was, you know, kind of in the throes. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> but we would get these like trigraphs and then if there was an alerting one or they wanted to run a drill we would come up to periscope depth and then you know copy the actual broadcast and that was the reason why we would go to periscope depth during those times okay and then so if like say any other vessels out there and we're not rigged for red and the periscope uh comes up it does admit light um you know from the control room ah um and so that way you know no lights getting through. Whoa. It's all rigged for red, like just in the movies and all that jazz. But most most of the time, we're you know, fl- fl- uh, fluorescent lights and you know, kind of just doing our thing. So if it's all red yeah, in there, that's quiet. so. So if it's all red in there, that's so that light doesn't travel up through the periscope and then give away your position when the periscope pops out of the sea. Hundred percent, yeah. Whoa. Very cool. That's wild. I mean, I may have to. I've never seen the hunt for the Red October. I may have to watch it tonight. Right now, uh, like I said, I was getting to the uh, things that I've that I've asked you about before. But there's there's one more that I really would like the humans to hear about. And it's uh, you know when you were you told me when you were swimming out there once that uh, you actually swam underneath the entire sub. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, we had like calm seas on both sides. So typically, when you do a swim call, and I was the ship's rescue swimmer as well, so um, we would turn and we would swim off the leeward side, which is the side that you know breaks the wind, and so like it's pretty calm because the boat's so big um, on the other side. And how but big? How day, big is the boat? If you could kind of help us picture it in our minds. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know four stories tall and like a you know tube whoa. and like like uh, two football fields long whoa whoa i was not so picturing like, something this big it's it's massive so so it creates almost so like a little bay situation it's like a like a what sorry it creates almost like a little bay like it creates like like you said it breaks the wind right. and the waves and stuff right and it draws you know got to be you know over 20 feet of water um because you know when we're surface part of the boat sticking up right right um but it was wild so like um 
we were chatting and we're like, you know, think we can, do we think we could do it? And I was like, I'd give it a shot. And, uh, you know, I had fins up there. Okay. So, um, you know, and it's, it's big. I mean, you like, you go down and you're swimming out because if you think of a tube and like, say a third of it is out of the water, like you start and you're actually swimming away from the boat That's and, then down, <laughs> and then back to the other side. And so and it's, and it's super dark. So like you can like it gets dark and you can see the light like coming through the other side. And it's like you can see it and it's just like it's not getting closer fast enough. <laughs> Holy crap. Cuz you're holding your breath. I mean, you're just doing this with just right. fins. Right. <laughs> yeah, no no oxygen just to see if we could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly you pulled it off. You're with us here today. Yeah. I'm here present. And so, like, I mean, I'm, I've am i never really cared much about sharks in my life, except in the last few years there have been some, you know, shark things around the uh, East Coast that have been a little uh, abnormal as, as far as our lifetime goes. I mean, mm-hmm. what was there someone sitting on the top with, like, a armed looking for fins sticking out of the water? You're, like, you're like not even in a shark area. How does that work? No, I mean, it's so deep and it's so much water. I just, you know, I have to, like, tell myself that, you know, it's a big ocean, and <laughs> <laughs> the shark if it sees the submarine, it's probably like freaking out too. <laughs> so, and that goes for everybody. Like when you guys are having like an R and R day, and you're kind of swimming, uh, like you just not. It's just like, well, what are the what are the odds, kind of a thing. Right. Wow. You know, it's totally. Yeah. I mean, we're typically you know you can't see way in, so it's usually really deep, um, and yeah, just a bunch of water. <laughs> And how do you climb back on after you jumped in? So they call it a Jacob's Ladder. Um, basically, it's like, basically, if you thought of, like, army army netting, it's kind of like that, but there's, like, it's in a roll, and it's got rungs, and then the uprights are rope. Okay. And then, so basically, you kind of climb onto the turtle shell is the outer surface of the boat that you kind of walk across. Wow. And then did you guys, like, would you port in, like, other places? Or would you, would you like, deploy and then you just come back to where you left from? Um, most of the time, just coming back. Um, I did a few deployments. Um, I got to, at the time, our boat, the USS Rhode Island, uh, was a battle e-boat. And what that means is just, it was testing the best um, in the fleet. And then... So we got the opportunity to uh, navigate the Straits of Gibraltar um, because they were decommissioning uh, a bunch of our submarines. Oh. Um, since you know wars are fought differently since the Cold War, and um, you know they're more tactical, so they decommissioned. Uh, I want to say three, maybe on each coast. Wow! And uh, and they wanted to see if a boat that big could go through the Straits of through because I guess it's it gets really windy and it's pretty treacherous okay um getting through there even below so, the surface it, it's still treacherous right um and in like in parts of it we had to be surfaced um you know but yeah i mean we did it um and so that's what you know the new boats which they call them the ssg ends now um basically more tactical boat wow. it has like seal deployments and vertically launched tomahawks as well 
So they can go and like do Middle East stuff. Well, so they they can shoot like a tomahawk missile from like from the surface or from underwater. Forgive me for fa- sounding so underwater. Yeah, wow. like undetected. Wow. Yeah. Now I've not seen Hunt for the Red October. I haven't seen um, I haven't seen Down Periscope either. Uh, do you have a favorite submarine movie? Down Periscope is, I would say, the most ac- accurate and most silly. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, you can just imagine just a bunch of guys being underwater. You know, <laughs> things things would get weird. The <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, nowadays, I'm sure it's different, um, but uh, back then. See, um, like nowadays, you could even get canceled on a submarine. But back then, what, what happened? Yeah, there's women. So, so uh, you know. I think three or four years after I got out, um, those boats were when they were recommissioned. They now allow women on that submarine, which is which is cool. Wow. Yeah. And I do want to circle back one time. You were talking about uh, like you guys would like like practice for a flood, or you would actually have a little flood or a leak. I mean, what is yeah. what is that like? Is there like holy shit? Like what's coming in here? Does... It all the time, like it would be second nature and like, and that's how the military is successful. And, and, you know, they, we were prepared for it. Um, you know, I think we had two dryer fires. Um, you know, we had, cause like they don't change things on the submarine if they don't break. So it was the same dryer that they had been using on the submarine since the eighties. Oh um, <laughs> so, so like things like that would like catch fire and, uh, you know, put it out. Um, but basically, that those tests that we would go and rig for sea, you know, everybody at every hole penetration where it could happen. Okay. Um, you know, we were there, and then as we would submerge, they would say, "Oh, how many drops per minute?" And then, you know, and then they would get deeper, and then, you know, they would say, "Okay, well, we're coming back up if it was anything serious." Wow. And then when you're saying hole penetration, you mean like for yourself, you said you're a nuclear missile technician. So did that mean you were near like a, a hatch or something? Yeah. So we had sensors uh, to like measure pressure. So like in the event we had to launch these missiles and we would be submerged to open the muzzle hatch, right? Um, that would have to have like the same pressure. So there's like you know, sensors all throughout the boat, um, big and small. Um, but that was just one example of like where, you know, we would stand to make sure that we weren't getting any leaks. Wow. Wow. And we would all be on like the communication network. And so like, it was a big deal. Everybody was like, you know, manning their station or whatever. And it's, you know, it sounds like they weren't taking that as seriously on the Titan. I don't think. No, no. <laughs> should leave that for the professionals. <laughs> that and space travel. <laughs> yeah, right. Space travel. I mean, yeah. I, I was yeah. leave I, it up to NASA. They've been doing it for years, and, and they you know, still and they have these systems in place. Like, it, like you said, like you know, you're just prepared. Like that's what we drilled for every day. Wow, like just in ki- like you were pl- planning on something going wrong, whereas these guys were just thought they could control this thing with a video game ca- uh, controller. Correct. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, this is not the last time you're going to be on the show, I can tell you that much. 
But yes. I really appreciate you coming on here, Michael. Thank you for yeah. taking time. Thank you for taking time out of your vacation to uh, to talk to us. Yeah, anytime. Wow. Chilling. Chilling and informative. <laughs> uh, well, humans, that's Michael Buckley. Michael Buckley, any, any last words for the humans here? Uh, stay safe and uh, don't get on any submarines. All right. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much for coming uh, on. Good to talk to you, bud. Yes, and to you. Bye. Well, humans, how do you like that? My brother-in-law, Michael Buckley. Thank you again, Michael. Riveting, chilling, and uh, wow. 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 To quote Owen Wilson, wow. Just wow. So, humans, we're going into the holiday weekend. I want you to think about your audio costume, your audio summer movie costume. Of course, do after the weekend at lunchtime on Wednesday, the 5th. But the holiday weekend shouldn't be all work. It shouldn't be all stressing about what you're going to dress up as at the mixer at Hideaway Bluffs. Uh, hopefully you're going to some barbecues. Hopefully you're hitting the beach. Hopefully, I got, those are the only two things that come to mind. Uh, maybe you're going to watch fireworks. You know, I shouldn't, but I will. I'm not huge on fireworks shows, humans. <laughs> I think I talked about this last year where I was like, you've seen one, you've seen them all. But then again, I think I actually had fun watching them last year, but I, I still... I still say, you've seen one, you've seen them all. You see, you know, I don't know. But then again, I had fun last year. I just always say the technology hasn't changed much. This is coming from a guy who's fighting technology tooth and nail. So anyway, humans, if you go do anything, you know, get us some compelling audio. Get us the sound of some burgers sizzling, be it all beef or impossible beef. Okay, get us some audio of a fireworks show. If anything, just to spite me, get some audio of a fireworks show just to spite me. That'll, that will get you pressing the record button, I know, and I fear. And yeah, get us some audio, get us some audio of what you're doing for the 4th of July. Maybe it's just the sound of a can of Budweiser, Bud Heavy. Bud Red, Bud Diesel being opened. But of course, live your life. We're not, we're not, you know, this isn't just, this, this isn't, this show isn't becoming social media. We, we shouldn't just be participating for the sake of participating. We should be able to enjoy ourselves without our technology around. But if the moment arises, you know what to do. Humans have a fantastic weekend have a wonderful fourth of july wear red white and blue i get a kick out of wearing red white and blue on the fourth of july and it's fun to be around people that do and a lot of people have blue shirts okay i see less red shirts so i try to go red shirt blue shorts <laughs> maybe i'll maybe i'll do you know you know i'm just thinking out loud here 
to quote Ed Sheeran. Just thinking out loud. <sighs> Maybe I will treat this 4th of July the way people treat, like, a college football weekend. You know, if you if you live in a college town, you really kind of only wear the game day colors on game day. But once you grow up and move away, then you go back for a game, and you're like, oh, shit, people are wearing, like, team colors all weekend. And it's like, oh, right, because they've, like, traveled for this, you know? And it's, it's only after I did that a couple of times, and then I started feeling left out. I was like, wait, everyone wore, like, gear tonight, too? And I think people do that with Savannah, St. Patrick's Day. You know, you travel from out of town, you're, like, excited to wear green the, all the days you're there, or at least the days preceding St. Patrick's Day. So maybe I'll do that with the 4th of July starting tomorrow. I don't know if I have that many red and blue combinations to get me through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. That's a lot. But maybe I'll start a few days early. Maybe I'll start Saturday. Can, can, let's make a deal, humans. I'll start Saturday. I'm going to wear red, white, and blue Saturday, Monday. Saturday, Monday. Saturday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday. All right, humans. Have a great fourth. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs>